0: Okay, testing. One, two, one, two. This is my warm welcome holiday speech. I just wanted to express my gratitude towards the past year. All the listeners and viewers on This Guy Edits, TGE, I very much appreciate that relationship between myself as sort of a storyteller and having the opportunity to find an audience, connect with it, and learning and hearing what you think. Some of the best stuff that's been created in the past year on the channel as well as on the podcast is because of listener suggestions, viewers who have an idea, who love some of the stuff we're doing here and say, hey, why don't you do it with this film? Or how about you talk about that? And that's, for me, one of the key reasons why I get a kick out of doing this. So happy holidays. I wish you a great new year much success remember not to just listen and watch stuff but to find ways to take it and put it into action whenever you're listening to something or watching something if there's this one thing that you can actually apply to your own work then you're growing and i wish you much success with that now back to the podcast <music>
1: Holiday episode. Hello Tyler, how are you? I'm good, Sven. How are you doing? Welcome to the This Guy Edits podcast, right? Is TG. That where we are?
0: Yes, we're here. So glad. What do we do? Oh <laughs> my god, I have no idea. I mean, we're we're analyzing scenes and looking at some stuff while you're listening to us looking at some stuff that is really, really insightful and hopefully is going to inspire you. That's what we're doing.
1: And if you enjoy what you're hearing on the show, let a friend know.
0: We appreciate
1: the word being spread. The listens are growing and subscribe on whatever app you're listening to the podcast on. It's much appreciated. And we hope you're having a wonderful holiday season as we're doing we're comparing the comedy, the style of comedy of two similar but entirely dissimilar holiday movies this the next two weeks. Or we should explain this is a two parter, right, Sven?
0: Yes, it is. Because we want to take some time off.
1: But also because of the, we're going to be looking at many much more clips this episode.
0: so More clips than we
1: usually do this episode, comparing between two movies. So it's going to spread out and be a little longer. And we'll give it a
0: holiday theme and break it up over two episodes. Nice. And I think the overarching premise is that we want to find out whether comedy has changed over the years or over the decades. And whether the storytelling worked better in the past or is working better now or... And whether special effects are helping it or not.
1: Hey Sven, are you working on anything over the holidays?
0: I just started a new feature, thanks for asking. And it's very exciting in the sense that it's the first time for me that I'm cutting actually a film that is in German, was shot in Germany, directed by a German director. So I'm going back home, not figuratively, literally, no, the (laughs) other way around. Wait. (laughs) I'm here, I'm staying in LA, I'm cutting it here. I met the director at South by Southwest earlier this year. We started meeting a couple of times over the months, and I gave him some thoughts on the script. For I don't know if that's helpful or not, but I did. And he shot it, and we just last week he flew back here, showed me an assembly cut of the film, and I told him what I thought about it, and we decided we're going to move ahead, and I'm going to do a take on the film. And it's a cool project, actually. It's really nice. It's kind of a period piece. It's a thriller. It has a female lead killer. So there's a lot of things that I haven't really done before and I'm really excited about.
1: Super cool. And are we going to get to see videos from this on your YouTube channel?
0: I think so. Um, I spoke to the director about it and he he loved the idea and it's open to me showing stuff cutting. So I'm going back to not only home but to the roots of the channel because that's how it started originally is that I was cutting a feature and was going through some scenes. So I'll be doing some of that on the channel. I'll be doing more of that on Patreon actually.
1: Very cool. I look forward to seeing it. And if you like what you're hearing here, if you have thoughts on the podcast, we've gotten a lot of great interesting comments. We enjoy hearing the feedback. I saw one really good point on the revenge clip that you posted to YouTube mm-hmm. about the orientation of the man chasing the woman with the gun and us not knowing where she was in the scene mm-hmm. or where they were,
0: what the distance was between them. Yep. What, did you see that one? I Yeah, I kind of vaguely remember. What was the point?
1: The point was that we talked about a lot of different reasons it kind of worked and didn't work and what the commenter pointed out was that the character has no idea where he is because she's just woken up from the right. screen going black, being shot in the ear. So it helped the scene and the audience not knowing how far he was away either. She had her back to him and had the same information we do. And it's always good to find ways to to know what character you're following and to be able to put the audience in their shoes. There's a lot of great examples of that. So that was a, I thought that was a really good point. And it especially stood out because... It got a reaction from Dennis, our glorious editor for the videos that go onto YouTube, who we're eternally grateful to, who said great points. So
0: I thought I would second it. Nice. It's, I noticed that there was a very passionate discussion about the weapon and whether this is a realistic representation of how this weapon is being used. Not to, Wait, not, I have a question. No I have a yeah. question
1: about this. I have a question before you get into this, because there were two versions of the video that went up. Right. Right? So what happened there?
0: Oh, um, I uploaded the video and for some reason I was in a 4K timeline and I uploaded it as an SD video because the Mm -hmm. settings were wrong and then all the framing was off and low resolution so Dennis was like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, oh, this this will (coughs) be an interesting experiment, let's re-upload the HD version And see what that does to the algorithm. So, But I felt like a lot of those comments got lost because of that. Yeah, that video is still alive, the SD one. So um, I guess I can put it in the playlist of the podcast so you can see both versions and and read the comments. But the the conversation just went over from one video to the next. I thought same people had the same problems. And what was the problem? I can't really expertly describe whether this is the right use of weapon or whether this weapon would actually have a sight or something. I just noticed Mm -hmm. it sounded like this might be a a shotgun and you Mm -hmm. cannot hit somebody from that distance with a shotgun. Maybe that's what's going on. But there was also somebody there, and I don't know if that person was an expert, but he was kind of making fun of everybody that criticized this, saying that they don't have any idea of what kind of rifle this was. So... So I guess the bigger question really is for filmmakers, first of all, should you do your research? Does the audience care? And um, I know what James Cameron would say. He would say, yeah, absolutely. You got to make sure that every detail needs to be precise because there is always going to be a contingency of people that are Mm -hmm. going to notice if something is not real or couldn't be be happening that way.
1: Yeah, and the thing that's funny with that film is that we made it, very clear that there had been a lot it's a film that has a lot of those types of errors let's call them continuity errors or you know separation from reality errors but i also think that's part of the fun of the movie is detaching itself from that and we in the podcast talked about the value of in particularly that film of being able to not get hung up on that kind of stuff and it's clearly a revenge fantasy film so it just kind of begs that question because a lot of people are very 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 dismissive of that movie i feel like it's gotten the strongest comments we've seen mm-hmm. so far in terms of like this movie sucks like i didn't <laughs> i didn't even see that for peter rabbit right <laughs> like we there's i mean you know peter Rabbit's whatever it's ultimately like a really good movie for what it is but the scene we looked at certainly sucked and that's why we were looking at it But this scene, it's funny because there's such a detachment from reality throughout the movie. So maybe it was on the filmmaker to find a way to make that more clear. I don't feel like when people watch early Sam Raimi movies or Peter Jackson's early movies that they have those comments and reactions. So there's something about it maybe that was straddling a line that just didn't, I don't know, just irked people. And yet at the same time, it was completely obeying all the stuff you talked about in terms of the rules of continuity and the rules of screen direction and stuff were very well respected to you know,
0: give a really enhanced experience of the film, so it's an interesting one. It, like I said in the podcast, not in the video, but in the podcast I said I have no issues with the craft of the film. I do have some issues with how reality is being dealt with, and I think you have a different view on this. But for some reason I feel like Sometimes you can walk the line where it's, it works if it's something is not real and we're trying to make it more of a fantasy or it's it's heightened, right? Yeah, like I always bad taste or something like that. Yeah, here I always felt like it's it's supposed to be real and then it's breaking its own rules in a way. So. Yeah when you brought up, oh, this is more of a nightmare. This, she might not even be alive is what you were implying throughout this whole film. Like this is just going on in her head for me that I took everything for what it is. And I was always like, well, that wouldn't happen. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I could still enjoy the movie, but every once in a while I had the experience, like I've been just thrown off by the filmmaker. And, Maybe that's why it's I mean it's good to it's good to have a film that takes a stand, right? That stands for something. Right. And this certainly does. And it's good because if if you don't make a film that stands for something something, nobody can stand with you. If you make everything right, it could just be the failure of the film. That is just average. It's just in the middle of the road. So I don't know. I think yeah. overall it's probably a success.
1: Well sure, but there's something also about you know, this could be just like an excuse for people to fall back on. But there is something... And I almost wasn't really necessarily looking at it that she was dead, but maybe it's a resurrection, you know. So then here are in, in that world. But the idea of, one, starting a conversation can be good sometimes for art. Um, but on that same token, it's funny that a movie like that... Because the things that are wrong are pretty specific and clear. Mm-hmm. And yet when you're watching a Transformers movie, it's fine... Although, how much more preposterous can you get if you really took that and, and broke it apart? So it's almost like, it's weird because the genre of Transformers, people know that they can dismiss something going into it. But a movie like Revenge gets held to a certain accountability over really, really specific things is what was weird, too. Like the the type of engine sound and... Where, where the headphones were in the scene and stuff like that. And, hey, the eagle's backwards when she uses a, a, a hot can to seal her mortal wound, not the fact that she uses a hot can to seal her mortal, mortal wound, which is interesting. But more importantly, it ties into what we're talking about today, which ties back to your YouTube video, right, with Dr. Is it Karen Perlman? Yes. But I think that's what we're talking about in terms
0: of this comedy today. Once right. you have special computer effects available,
1: where you can go with it.
0: Yeah, I think it has to do with vulnerability. If a character needs to be vulnerable, and oftentimes in films like Guardian of the Galaxy or some other superhero movies, we don't have that option because whatever wounds are being inflicted on them, it's not stopping them at all. It's not phasing them. That's sort of the broad Mm -hmm. stroke of it. And so then these films make up for that vulnerability with comedy. Like everybody's witty. Everything there's a comment on something going on. I feel like I'm loving a film like Revenge a lot more because the character is vulnerable and she's not trying to be witty for the most part i don't, I can't think of a single line where she's like dismissively making a commentary about something right. She's suffering through this. she's trying to survive so i can I can buy into that. I'd much rather have a character that is vulnerable and is trying to move on uh, trying to survive right and what what's the that youtube video called why superhero movies are spectacular and boring
1: (laughs) and but some of that i feel like goes into what we're we're talking about in terms of the degree to which you're able to detach yourself from reality with special effects Mm -hmm. and you talk about seeing you know someone get a window slammed on their hand is going to make The audience feel that pain. And I feel like for decades and decades, cartoons would handle that in a very certain way. And human beings would handle it in a certain way, because you would have these amazing performers like Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin that could do these amazing stunts Mm -hmm. that were very funny. And yet you would see the pain and stuff like that. And then now kind of as technology has evolved, it's become a thing to exaggerate that with special effects. And I remember first kind of starting to see that and I'm sure this isn't the first time you can let us know the first movie you saw this in. But in the the scary movie franchise, do you remember those movies, Sven? They were like mm-hmm. spoofs of Scream and stuff. Yes. Made by the Waynes Brothers, directed by Keenan Ivory Waynes. And I remember just seeing like really like cheap, you know, computer effects used to like have a character's tongue getting pulled out of their mouth when it was frozen to something. And just really ridiculous things. And then, you know, actors like Jim Carrey would never. Need that they could kind of do stunts or at least sell them even in the mask, like his physical abilities would kind of help sell that computer stuff a lot more. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of seemed like in movies, like I remember the trailer for neighbors that Seth Rogen movie where he's playing a neighbor just seemed like these insane computer effects where you see characters getting blown by airbags into the ceiling. Of their office in ways that are completely, entirely impossible. And that's obviously become a thing, and it's used more and more in these big comedies, and absolutely in the Daddy's Home movies. I mean, th- that was like a huge selling point of those movies. And so then to see Daddy's Home. <laughs> Uh, The sequel, the Christmas-based one we're going to talk about, compared to National Lampoon's Vacation with Chevy Chase, Christmas Vacation, where they have identical scenes, and yet they're entirely reliant on special effects, although there is some contrast in that we're going to talk about. But Chevy Chase was obviously one of the few comedic performers that understood or was able to do falls and actually do stunts himself so it's interesting to see the contrast between the two and that's pretty much what we're going to be looking at today and next week over your holiday break it's kind of like a good preface and way to tie that all in and look back at that video as fans
0: to really kind of understand this concept nice nice so we should really look at the scenes and be specific about some of the things that we notice in terms of the pacing and the use of effects and comedy physical comedy and what we usually do here is we start up a scene and we pick a scene that is available on YouTube. We'll include the link in the description of the podcast so you can watch along with us. We will make an attempt to describe what's going on in the scene. I always have this idea that we like it's like War of the Worlds kind of like this audio radio program where you really get wrapped up in the scene even though you can't see anything and right. then we go back and analyze it afterwards so that's what we're doing and uh, how do we start off do we show christmas well, vacation first or
1: i think what what we need to make clear over this 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 two this holiday two-hander is we're coming at you a little differently cuz we actually have at least two different clips from the different films that we're going to be looking at and analyzing. So we'll be very specific talking about what's happening, but I think we're much more instead of really specifically looking at these as legendary scenes that we're watching and breaking down the editing of beat by beat like we usually do, we're going to be talking kind of more about core concepts. So it's the holidays. You can gather your, (laughs) I don't know, your popcorn or what do people eat over the holidays then? Uh, caramel corn with like in like yeah, cheese corn yeah, yeah. you ever get that <laughs> gather around with that and you can click around watch a few different watch a few different YouTube clips or just listen to us explain it and we're going to jump around between these things over this episode and the next so. so brace yourselves nice nice well you'll be the driver what's the first scene we're seeing <laughs> well we should talk about these two films and also it's it's funny that we would dare go back to Christmas vacation <laughs> and we looked around for like a while for a really good at least I think we were both doing it for like a really good Christmas scene mm-hmm. to look at or mm-hmm. a holiday scene. And we would kind of find him and it was all kind of like, eh, it's more the concepts behind them were more interesting than the actual execution of anything, Right. I feel like, and then ended up on Christmas vacation, which is funny because I, I would say our, our worst episode is the vacation episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. We own so, it. We're doubling down. So we doubled down and we said, well, what if we compare it to Daddy's Home Too? Because it has very similar scenes here. Um, so, do you want to set up
0: Christmas vacations, Ben? I feel like you're the vacation guy. Okay, I'll do the vacation guy. So, this is the third installment in the vacation. How many were there? It's not a trilogy, is it? There's is a bigger well, vacation. Going. It keeps going. So, this is um, number three. It was shot or released in 1989. Directed by Jeremiah S. Cheknik, Czechik. Hmm. It is the third installment in the National Lampoon's Vacation film series and was written by John Hughes based on nice. a short story in National Lampoon magazine. There's a great documentary about that magazine actually. It's quite fun. Mm-hmm. Film stars Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo and Randy Quaid with Juliet Lewis as one of the Griswold children. So it's another change, <laughs> isn't it? And yeah. Since its release in 1989, Christmas Vacation has often been labeled as a modern Christmas classic. It is widely regarded as the best sequel of the Vacation series and the only sequel that have spawned its own directed sequel. A 2003 made-for-TV released entitled National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure. I don't think I've seen that. Um <laughs>
1: I'm going to. this. I promise I'm going to watch it this holiday and report back.
0: There's been six home video releases, VHS and Laserdisc in the 90s, a Bare Bones DVD in 97, and a special edition DVD in 2003. And a Blu-ray edition was first released in 2006. In 2009, the film was released as an ultimate collector's edition. And the next version
1: will hopefully have this episode of the podcast on wait, it.
0: Wait, wait, there's more. There's a Steelbook Blu-ray that was released in 2015. Can't wait for Beautiful. the 2019 re-release of the film. Well, that's,
1: yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about that with, with holiday movies, but we'll, maybe we'll get into that in a minute. So, awesome. And w- then we're also going to be contrasting that movie to... Daddy's Home, which I'm not looking at a Wikipedia of or anything like that for I various reasons. Okay, well, I happen to have seen both Daddy's Home films, um, seen mostly the first out one. of curiosity for what's happening with this type of comedy, and it stars Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. The comedy duo has returned and reunited for another movie. Sorry, I fell asleep for a second. Um, so, well. <laughs> Farrell and Wahlberg team up again. Someone that's not Adam McKay made the film, and it had the funny thing when I was watching the first Daddy's Home. And why I'm kind of fascinated by these particular films is because it starts, and especially for a Will Ferrell movie, it's very grounded. It has a voiceover, and it's about a voiceover that's solid. It's, it's pretty. I would say the first ten minutes are like have the promise of being a really great movie for what it is. And then and there's this voiceover. It's about things that are, you know, important emotional issues. And that's what's great about the vacation films and why, you know, Christmas Vacation works so well. is because this stuff's really important to Clark Griswold, that these things going well for him and keeping his family together. So there's like these deep undercurrents to it. And Daddy's Home had the same thing cause it's about Will Ferrell becoming a stepdad to this family. And then the competition of meeting the real dad. And it means so much to him to be a father. And that's set up so well in the first one. With voiceover and other stuff. And then suddenly, there's just these ridiculous special effects comedy scenes that come in. And you know weren't in the script. You know that this is just one of those cases. And this would happen a lot with the Sandler movies too. Where people would write these decent scripts. And then, you know, it's like, hey, your script got bought. Okay, cool. Who bought it? Like Sandler's company. And it's like, oh, God. And then they would just go in and like pump them full of jokes. And there were a lot of like very well-respected scripts. Like the script for 50 First Dates that was... The Sandler Drew Barrymore movie, which is a good comedy, but it was definitely, the script was like definitely like a darker, was maybe Spike Jonze-ish type movie or something like that. And then, you know, Stanley got his hands on it and we're like, well, we got to do this and our jokes. So it's full of those things and then you can just see how the same thing's happening here with Daddy's Home and it does bring up the point of the special effects comedy. I don't know if there's anything,
0: any statistics or facts you want to add to the Daddy's Home franchise, Sven. I can, but before we do that, did I just sort of hear that you didn't like 50 First Dates? Is that what you're implying? No, I think
1: it's great. No, no, I like 50 First Dates. But I'm saying that...
0: I thought it was a fantastic film and actually a real nice balanced between a comedy and a drama yeah yeah because but that original script was much much darker and then there's a
1: very certain style to the sandler comedy and that's an example of that really working that combination but that's what happens a lot is like decent scripts get bought and then it's like all right well let's turn it into a joke mill and you start adding this really over the top you know ridiculous special effects comedy now and that's how we end up with daddy's home i mean if that makes sense i don't know
0: Mm. Well, uh, what can I say about it? It has a Rotten Tomato score of 19%. It has <laughs> an IMDb score of 3.9. It made Whoa. 180 million worldwide on a 70 million budget. I don't think there's going to be a third one. I don't know. Have you heard anything? Are they working Are on it? Are you talking about part two? Yeah, I'm talking about part two. Uh,
1: okay. So, I mean,
0: they set it up for a third one at the end, I feel like. They did? Okay, I haven't seen the film. But I think the numbers don't seem to make sense. <laughs> so, that's that's about it. It was shot in March 2017, by released by Paramount Pictures in November, and it received generally negative reviews from critics. <laughs> <laughs> and how much time was there between the first one and second one? Okay, so this was 2017. The first one was 2015, so two years. Okay, and they made a point of bringing in... Uh Mel Gibson is the father,
1: and John Lithgow is the father, mm-hmm. to see what that would be like. And
0: how much money did the first one make? Not a lot more, I think. It was 150 domestic and 92 huh. foreign. Interesting.
1: Yeah, it's weird the movies that get. A sequel and the ones that don't. The one thing about Daddy's Home is it definitely ended with the setup for a sequel with John Senna showing up as the stepdad of Wahlberg's kid. Uh, uh, something like that. So I guess that's the trick. If you want a franchise, just have a really blatant call for a franchise at the end of your movie. <laughs> and it is very sitcom-ish, the setup, so it lends itself to to having stuff like that going on. Alright, well we should look at one of these clips real quick. Which one?
0: Christmas Vacation? Well, that would be the obvious choice. Why don't we do the non-obvious choice, and go right to Daddy's home.
1: <laughs> no, because then, then I can't make the point. Let's look at... Uh, okay, never let's, mind then. <laughs> let's look at Christmas Vacation. Let's look at Chevy Chase falling off the roof and talk about that for a moment. Um, and the, the difference, again, between these two things is the scene in Daddy's Home is Will Ferrell sucking uh, Christmas lights into a snowblower, and, you know, crazy special effects that happen because of that. And this one is... Chevy Chase, in, it's it's the famous scene from Christmas Vacation where he's just been putting these lights on this house throughout the whole thing. Just one of the runners that we have going on. You set up that his his neighbors are a holes and we put a lot of time into setting up kind of the danger of this stuff where things in movies like Daddy's Home it just happens. They're actually taking the time to set these jokes up. So the first Christmas vacation we're gonna look at is earlier in the film, he's grabbing his bag, he's grabbing the lights. So let's take a look at it in three, two, one, click. All right, so they're excited, and all this is set up. Right, we're getting nice. all the lights laid out, yeah,
0: well. seeing how important it is to him. <laughs> Certainly taking their time. There's a dolly shot, nice and smooth. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so.
1: And it's really cool that we're seeing that he's trying. It's just this, the comedy of it's about something else, where he's trying to form a bond with his son, form a connection, impress him really wants to have the best house in the neighborhood. So all this stuff's being set up. So when it starts to go wrong, it's going to mean a lot more. And then we have the ridiculous mm-hmm. I'll get the other box. amount like light knot going on. And all this is just set up. And more, we have the neighbors coming out. They're complete a-holes. I don't quite remember if this is the first time we see them in the movie.
0: I hope he falls and breaks his neck. I'm sure he'll fall, but I don't think we're lucky enough to have him break his neck.
1: And then they set that thing perfectly of like him breaking his neck. So those stakes are set up. And this I think is just so important. Him climbing up this ladder. Cause this is just a great shot that just doesn't end. Like we don't, the degree they went to did not have us see the top of the ladder before he starts climbing up it. Hiding with the train and stuff is great. Cause then when he starts going, it's like, Oh, this isn't going to end. He's way, way up there. And then boom, it's already
0: going wrong. With the
1: pratfall comedy that Chevy Chase can do so well, a
0: couple of things I love at the end how he um, just looks left and right, which is like so. What somebody <laughs> does who just took a fall and just making sure if anybody like actually noticed it, and you need to like <laughs> make make a remark about it or to play it off or so. yeah Yeah. so i thought it was real nice
1: yeah that's a good point because that does just more kind of amplify that thing of like this is about his pride right and about his relationship with his son he doesn't want to look like an idiot so just those little things add so much to the comedy this are you ready for the next one yeah go ahead start it up okay so in three two one whatever sorry so he's stapling the lights, and again, it's much later in the day. This is parallel action. We've seen other stuff going on
0: during the day. and It's not a good idea to setting. staple your lights onto <laughs> the roof, by the way. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's all... <laughs> he's clearly not the best. And then
1: the other thing that's fun about this is we, you talk about the observer in a scene. The straight guy in this is always the neighbors, so this scene's really just about kind of torturing them. And how whatever ridiculous stuff happens. Oh, no. Oh, it's just... (laughs) And and then that fall, too, it's... I guess that's the point that I'm making with this. When you look at this stuff, like, it's all... It's very, very much within the realm of plausibility. Yeah. I mean, he really did all this stuff, you know, or a stunt person. And you could really see a guy just kind of being this stupid and, and actually stapling the light. And then you could really believe that that particular chunk of ice would shoot through the window. You don't need it bouncing off of, you know, four stop signs and, like, hitting a dog,
0: as as would probably happen now, just to do that amplification. I I thought this is a perfectly paced scene. Nice setup. Got some music to it to get going with us. I mean, Hmm. I have my thoughts about when you see the staplers, like, is that a good idea to put holes in your roof, basically? (laughs) That's my first, like, that doesn't seem a good idea <laughs> then he slides over I, I love this stunt where he hangs onto the gutter that's that's right. nicely done how he spins over I, that's not him right that's a stuntman right there and yeah we should definitely what's happening so he's holding on to it and then it breaks off on the one side which triggers this ice that's frozen inside the gutter to slide out and then torpedo towards the neighbor's window and just go through <laughs> the window and hits, what is that? What is it hitting there? It's like their speaker system or some amazing thing. It's they like have. a Bose speaker si- system, yeah, probably. Right. <laughs> and then he finally falls. So, yeah, I think it's awesome. I mean, it's great choreography. It's nicely edited. The unfolding of that scene, that's happening through the editing. Especially at 40, if we look at just the sound effect of this
1: ice. Yeah. Oh, sorry, at 32, it's really, it's just, it's its, there's, it's just a really funny sound for this to have. <laughs> like the sound a giant thing of ice would make. And it's a, a good example of kind of using the sound design to make things funny. And you see that
0: in comedy all the time. Yeah, And it's clean. I feel like it's, and we're going to see that in the other scene. And I remember when I saw it there. It was, I was just overwhelmed, like stuff was just thrown at me. I couldn't really process anything, and here I can mm-hmm. process it, which is nice.
1: Yeah, and I would say that as well, the difference between the two scenes we're going to look at. There's something about the concepts of these things that makes them so classic. It's like a comedian telling a really good joke, and that goes on through all the vacation movies. Like we talk about the idea of knocking Stonehenge over. That's just a really funny Concept. So then you get to see this idiot do it, you know, and just this idea of this guy just putting way too many lights on his house and falling off of it and getting tangled up in the cords and draining the neighborhood's electricity is just funny. And we're going to see that with the with the sled moment. We're going to look at a little bit later as as well. Whereas Daddy's home, yeah, I mean he sucks the lights into a snowblower. Well, that's you know, the- you don't just really picture that playing out because it could never
0: really happen the way that it does right shall we take a look at it snowblower and Um. lights um do you want to take us through this one (laughs) not really but i'll do it (laughs) okay
1: i'm just gonna offer you don't have to
0: no it's i'm I'm, okay you go for it i'm worried it's gonna be like mad max where it's like so fast i can't even finish my sentences
1: this is mad max level comedy so this is a scene where they're having a fight about different stuff and there's nothing really set up about Will Ferrell in this moment or anything oh god damn I didn't do it alright sorry so but we're going to have a snowblower accident and the fun thing with Clark Griswold I'll just point out is we're setting up through all that like that he's a little bit of a buffoon like we set up with the ladder thing oh he might be in way over his head The not like you're just setting up all these things he's in over his head whereas Will Ferrell it's like he's just an idiot as Mel Gibson's going to say at the end of this scene so let's watch it in three two click I you your so Linda Cardellini's mad at him He lets go of the snowblower And there is like a lot of emotional stuff going on it starts to suck in the lights which is funny In and of itself and I do find this stuff funny And I was kind of laughing At the concept that He just can't let go of it Um Snowman's getting decapitated by the lights. It's just ridiculously chewing the lights up. They're whipping around like it's Star Wars or something. John Lithgow gets knocked down by the lights. Uh, Wahlberg jumps in and uses the shield as, a, uh, as armor to protect Linda the Carlini getting blown away by light fragments. And Will Farrell won't let go of it. Smashes into a wall. Dragged up the wall. Completely impossible things going on. And the snowblower keeps turning onto the roof. Sucks up all the lights in the house. And right. we have a tag coming. Gets to what his feet. I to the side of my car, man. upset about the side of his car. And boom, the snowblower crushes the top of it. It's funny. And we're not done yet. Just we can hurt Will once more. So sorry. Oh, not so funny. And then Mel Gibson's filming it. And the tag of that is the thing that I laughed at the hardest was... Mark Wahlberg's girlfriend coming out and saying or his wife coming out and saying uh, why didn't he let go which I thought was the funniest part of the whole thing (laughs) because that's the that's character you know that's (laughs) that's character determining action (laughs) where Farrell just wouldn't let go of the handles is the whole
0: reason that happened but it happens at the end and and Mel Gibson says because he's an idiot and it's like okay that's nice actually it also does one thing if you as an audience member are on the fence about the scene and say, well, why didn't he let go in the moment where you like questioning the logic of the film, they're calling it out and making a joke out of it. Yeah. So they're owning it. Yeah. And that's that, that's that grounding that makes it fun. Mm -hmm.
1: So we're going to take a break right now. We're going to be coming back to compare a couple more clips from these two films. Maybe look at how they might be very, very similar after all in their use of special effects. And we sincerely hope that you've had a wonderful holiday and that it's going great and you get some time off and get to keep enjoying it. If you enjoy what you're hearing, let a friend know. The podcast makes a great holiday gift. Um, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Come back next week for the conclusion. You might be surprised. <laughs> yeah, we already know what it is. And thank you to Curtis for the music. And as Sven always says, Happy editing
0: the speakers there's no
1: saying zone so put your
0: head between the speakers
1: good god